we are creating this, I suppose, almost content strategy, this content plan for the next potentially three, six, 12, 18 months so that our clients basically have a list of blog content that they can go away and write to target these keywords that hopefully will satisfy the, the intent of the searcher. This is Time for Marketing, the marketing podcast that will tell you everything you've missed when you didn't attend the marketing conference. Hello and welcome to the Time for Marketing podcast, the podcast that tells you everything that you have missed when you didn't attend the marketing conference. As always, my name is Peter and I'm screaming hello from uh, lovely Slovenia that is today for the first time this year covered in snow and I'm a big fan of snow and very happy that we have it today uh, or this year so early. Welcome to the podcast. We have an excellent guest today with us but before I introduce you to our guest um, you are of course very welcome to go and subscribe to this podcast to I, in iTunes or Google Podcast or any other place where you like to listen and subscribe to podcasts. Even more interesting, even more important, if you would like to be a guest on this podcast, if you have had a presentation on any marketing conference or if you were, are a marketer and you were on a marketing conference and you loved a presentation there, just visit the website timeformarketing.com and there's a contact forum and I would love to hear from you. And that's enough from the from my side. Uh, the guest that we're having today is Matthew K. Hey, Matthew. Hey, how you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Is England, did England get the first shipment of snow also? Uh, not, not, not quite yet. It's uh, temperatures definitely, definitely dropped over the last few days. But uh, yeah, hopefully it'll, it'll hold off for a few more weeks here because the country tends to, to grind to a halt when it snows. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that was the, the, the that was what happened this morning uh, here in Ljubljana also. But yeah, that's you know if it's if it's snowing and I can sit in the car and look at these snowflakes, um, I don't mind it that much. Uh, do you usually get a lot of snow in the part of the UK where you are? Uh, sometimes it's normally a big, a big deluge, kind of around a, a week or two a year. I remember um, last year we got um, quite a lot of snow in 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 January. So uh, me and my brother ended up um, uh, chucking on our skis and going up to the local like woods where there's like a mountain bike park um, <laughs> and skiing around there. So there's a, a, so that we did that for the first time because the snow was quite heavy, but, uh, yeah, no, not, 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 not normally to be honest. Now people in the UK are not big on skiing. Are you, are they? Uh, yeah, well, I think there's a, a lot of people like skiing. Obviously we're just not, we do because we don't get enough snow. Um, we have to go to, you know, your France, your Austria's, your, mm. um, Switzerland's and stuff to 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 to, to uh, take advantage of it, but um, yeah, no, I um, I, tr I try and get away at least once a year. Um, I went I went twice earlier this year in January, which was good. So uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like to be a better skier than I am. 
All right. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Matthew, you work at the company ERA and you are there the head of operations. Could you tell us a bit more what does that mean? What do you do there? And of course, a bit about your company. Sure. Um, so ERA are a UK based um, digital marketing agency. Um, we, uh, the company was founded in January of 2015 by, um, Paddy Mugan, um, and Matt Beswick. Um, they originally started with three or four employees, um, and we're now at around about 34, 35. Um, we cover, I mean, the way we try and describe ourselves is that we help businesses grow online as opposed to being a digital marketing agency, I suppose. Um, but we cover everything from, um, you know, technical SEO to content generation, link building, so, uh, social media, paid social media, uh, PPC, um, uh, marketing automation, email marketing, all that sort of, all that sort of stuff. Um, we are a, uh, Google premier partner. Um, we're also one of around about 50 agencies, um, on the planet to be a Moz recommended agency. And we're a, we're a HubSpot, um, certified partner as well. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so that's, that's an overview of era. Um, in terms of my role here, we have um, a couple of teams, one which we call the content and PR team, who are much more focused on, you know, um, getting coverage for their brand, uh, for, for their clients, kind of increasing brand awareness, um, link building, link generation, that sort of stuff. Um, and then um, we have the other team, which we refer to internally as the acquisition team. The acquisition team is the one that I oversee, and we are arguably the geekier side of the room. So we do the technical SEO, the marketing automation, um, the uh, kind of PPC account optimization, social ads, that sort of stuff. So, mm-hmm. all right. Um, so, would you call yourself a SEO guy, or I sort of felt that you are in SEO, but what you've told us now, um, I'm sort of a bit confused. Are you, sure, would you describe yourself that way? Yeah. So, from from my perspective, I am. <laughs> I'm I'm probably more of an all-rounder than I am anything else, but if I had to pick something, it would be in more SEO and analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my background personally is I've spent six years in agencies, um, and but touched across many kind of different digital marketing disciplines. So I've been there doing keyword research and doing um uh, you know tech audits and that sort of stuff but i've also built um kind of marketing automation workflows and drip campaigns i've built ppc accounts um i've done um kind of google analytics audits and implementations um uh, you know i'm pretty pretty broad um to be perfectly honest with you um but but if i had to pick one it would be would be uh, kind of seo and and, mm. and mm. All right. I've invited you because you were a speaker at the Digital Zone 18 conference, 2018 conference in Istanbul. Your presentation there was named Beyond Keywords, how to create content that matches your buyer's journey. Two things about that. How did you enjoy Istanbul? And number two, you had 144 slides. Isn't that a bit too much? (laughs) <laughs> so uh istanbul was, was was great the conference was really really good very well organized um uh if people are um kind of over that way um they do they do run it a- a- annually um i would recommend that, that 
that people go. Um, obviously, the chance to go to Istanbul as well and, and, and go to a city I've never been to before was 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 cool too. Um, in terms of having 144 slides, um, I go through them quite quickly. <laughs> um, <laughs> And, and, and I think what's quite important is that particularly in this kind of digital age nowadays and, and with things like SlideShare, I've been onto SlideShare and seen um, 15, 20, 30 um, slide long decks. Um, and it's difficult to follow along. Whereas I think if you have more content in your slides, but not so many that you have too many points per slide, you give the ability for people to kind of um, follow that story along. Um, so, uh, all right, then without further ado, I would like to give you the microphone, uh, give you the microphone, present you with the, your time, your five minutes to sum up your presentation. How and where should we go beyond keywords? Cool, good. I think the fundamental thing and, 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 and the uh, background to my presentation is that um, consumers have, have fundamentally changed. Um, if we as marketers and, and, and sales professionals and, and, and people that try to promote our goods and services, think about it. Consumers are very, very different to how they were 10, 15, 20 plus years ago. Um, in the kind of the old days, you might get a sales call from a sales rep and then um, get a brochure sent to you in the post. And then um, uh, after you've done a little bit of research, you then might submit an inquiry or actually, or actually buy a product. Whereas today's consumer journey is much more complicated. If you think about the last time you bought an item online, you might have done a Google search or done several, viewed a website page, then uh, seen a social media advertisement. You might have then revisited a web, the website. You might have downloaded an ebook or, or, or a podcast um, or a, a white paper, watched a webinar. Then you might get a, a, a you know sign up to a, a company's email address list. You might get a couple of emails, then visit the service page or product page, and then actually submit an inquiry or buy something. Um, so, so this actual journey um, has, has has got um, not more complicated, um, but there's many more touch points than there were previously, and a lot of data out there backs this up. And and and, and a couple of uh, a couple of stats I put in my slides was around you know ninety four percent of B two B buyers research um, online purchase decisions, um, and one stat from Google was that uh, a particular user's car buying journey included over nine hundred digital interactions over a three month period. Um, so what this means is that the buyer's journey or the way that we purchase project um, products or services has evolved. And the buyer's journey, or at least the uh, methodology that we look towards, is, is this process of doesn't matter what product you buy, everyone goes through this, this, this process. And you start at the awareness stage where you have a sim you're starting to get symptoms of a problem or, or an opportunity, but you don't know what that is yet. And at the consideration stage, you then have a, you understand what this actual problem is and you're starting to look for solutions. And then in the decision stage, you've decided your solution and you now need to choose a service provider or an actual vendor to carry out your, your, your particular um, solution of choice. The example I often give is when you buy a holiday, okay? So you don't start off or not always you start off with, um, I'm going to buy a holiday or you're going to travel to Sicily or travel to America or travel to wherever. Quite often you start with, I'm a little bit stressed out and I could do with a break. That's your awareness stage. In the consideration stage, you're then saying, right, in order to get over, in order to become a little bit um, less stressed, then I need a, I need a holiday. 
So then that's your consideration stage. You actually know what it is. And in your decision stage, you're saying, well, do I want a villa holiday? Do I want a beach break? Do I want to go skiing? All these sorts of things. Okay. Um, And quite often companies and organizations focus too much at the decision stage. And we forget about the consumers who are not ready to buy. And there's a really interesting stat from HubSpot, which is 96% of website visitors are not actually in the mood to buy. They're not ready. And what this means is, is that our keyword research, our content generation process um, needs to consider those users further up the funnel, not at the decision stage. Now, I should say that if you have limited time and resource, you should definitely focus on the decision stage, but we shouldn't ignore those people who are not yet ready to engage in in any sales conversations. So we need to fundamentally change the process. And and, and there's a couple of ways that we've done this over at Era. The first one, and I think most people will be familiar with this, is moving from keywords to topics, okay? So what we've done at Era is we've adopted um, HubSpot's topic cluster model. And if you're not familiar with that, HubSpot's topic cluster model is where you have a, um, a pillar page which typically targets a short tail key term or phrase that goes really, really in depth in uh, across a topic in itself. Whereas um, you then have what they, they refer to as cluster pages, which focus on subtopics and they tend to be the, the long tail keywords. But the idea is, is that all of these um, class, pieces of cluster content that sit externally away from your um, pillar page all internally link back to your your pillar page and your pillar page links out to your subtopics and the idea is is that if you get one link into these cluster pages or the pillar page the entire topic cluster gets a boost within the search engine results pages what we've done at error is basically use that model and kind of take it a little bit further and then start to apply stages of the buyer's journey to them so we have what we call pillar pages cluster pages and target pages target pages tend to be more decision-based content Okay, so um, where you're actually targeting people that are that that are looking to buy. What we then do is we will ensure that a lot of our content targets or tries to target multiple keywords. Okay, so for example, if I'm uh, the the kind of older approach, um, if you were targeting, I don't know, um, freight uh, key terms like inbound marketing or inbound marketing agency, inbound marketing company, inbound marketing services. A few years ago, you possibly could have made an argument for having an individual page for each one of those. Whereas nowadays, we have one page that targets all of those different phrases because the actual intent of what the user is trying to get at is is very, very similar. So um, the key thing is is that our our keyword research process needs to adapt to that. And and the early stages of our process shouldn't really change change too much. You get your list of C keywords, you chuck it into your favorite tools, Moz, you know, answer the public, SEM rush, uh, uh, you know, Google ads, keyword planner, and then you start to expand that keyword keyword list out. Once you've expanded that keyword list out, you then start to break them down to topics. And you want to try and make sure that you're obviously ignoring all those keywords based off kind of search volume and, rele- and, and relevance. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to start thinking about, right, how can we break these keywords and phrases into topics? And also, um, how can we break these down into certain stages of the buyer's journey? So a good example is that, um, and this isn't black and white, but in the awareness stage, often people use key phrases like how to and troubleshoot and improve, optimize, uh, you know, at that, at that early stage. Whereas in the decision stage, people use things like, you know, test, reviews, pros and cons, buy, cost, that sort of stuff. And the idea is, is that we're trying to map these keywords to different stages of the buyer's, of the buyer's journey. And when we're doing this, we, this enables us to start mapping 
our keywords that we've decided are appropriate for um, our client or for our websites to actually target to then be mapped to existing when um, existing website pages. So we are mapping our keywords to uh, pages that they've already got on their site. Um, and by doing this, we are creating our own content gap analysis because we're basically saying we've got a list of all of these particular keywords that you can already target using pages you've got on your site. But also here's a bunch of keywords you've not thought about more often than not in the awareness and consideration stages um, of the buyer's journey. And we are creating this, um, I suppose, almost content strategy, this content plan for the next potentially three, six, um, 12, 18 months so that our clients basically have a list of blog content that they can go away and write um, to target um, these keywords that hopefully will satisfy the, 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 the intent of the searcher. The key thing about all of this is that we should... As SEOs, as marketers, should think beyond those people who are just ready to buy. If you think about that stat from HubSpot, 96% of people who visit your website are not ready to buy. That means only four people out of every 100 are actually interested then and there in, in purchasing your product. And we forget quite often about the other 96%. And I think that's the key kind of message and takeaway is, is to ensure that our keyword research process and our kind of keyword targeting and content creation should cater for that 96% of people. Because when you do that, and then you start to bring them to your website and answer the queries that they've got, then all your other marketing comes into play, like retargeting, lead generation, email marketing, all that sort of stuff. Thank you very much. I have, of course, a couple of questions. I'm not sure if this is a question, but it's sort of my how I think about SEO. You know, sure. we are more and more moving to the beginning of the purchase journey. And that, of course, means that SEO is getting more and more important because no one is... People, companies are usually not, don't have the money to buy ads for those keywords. So, you know, organic and or free traffic, however we call that, uh, is really important for those keywords. But on the other hand, it gets really competitive because all of those different companies then start to compete for the similar Keywords, you know, if everyone, I know it's just an example, but still, if everyone believes that uh, I'm stressed out, I need uh, something, then mm. people that sell the tourism will prepare key, uh, content for that. And people that sell cars will prepare, prepare content for that. And people that sell computers will prepare content to that. So is SEO getting more complicated? We know it is, but is it still worth it or is it slowly just too competitive and it's not really worth it anymore? Sure. I mean, there's a few questions um, wrapped into there. I mean, you know, is SEO worth it? Absolutely. Of course it is. Um, it is arguably the best way to drive um, traffic on an ongoing basis for, in inverted commas, free. Okay. So obviously once you, if you can get a keyword or phrase, particularly one with a decent amount of search volume on the first page, then that's a great way of driving driving additional traffic. Is it getting more competitive? Absolutely. And I think part of this keyword research process is, is and, and, and I haven't gone into detail um, uh, on the reason why we exclude certain keywords or phrases, um, but you need to balance you know, how competitive that keyword is versus how valuable it is versus how much search volume there is. So we use a little Venn diagram, which is actually in my presentation, which, um, which is on my slide share, 
to kind of balance what 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 we're targeting because we we need enough volume for it to be worthwhile to rank for the keyword we need it not to be so competitive that it's going to be impossible to rank for that keyword a great example i always use is that if we want if a client comes to us who sells shoes has an online shoe store and they want to rank for nike trainers if they don't have a ridiculously big budget it's going to be very, very difficult for them to get anywhere near that. And even if they do have a big budget, it's going to take them a, a hell of a long time um, to, to to rank for that phrase. But then the last thing to, to consider is how important is that keyword to the business? You know, if it's a really, really profitable keyword and there's not loads of search volume, you could argue and say, well, actually, we only need one or two customers out of this per year to make it worthwhile for us to go for it. So so I think it's about hitting hitting that sweet spot mm. between those three things. You know, if we come back to kind of your question around what happens if everyone starts going for the same keywords, I think fundamentally you have to adapt. You have to try and find those niches, try and find those low-hanging fruit, try and find um, a way to make your content slightly better um, or to generate more links for you to try and outrank the people that are, are competing for those same phrases. But but not only that, I think, and this is why we take quite a holistic approach to SEO, that we want to be better at qualifying people and converting those leads into customers. Because, you know, SEO is obviously one way you drive more traffic to a website. In theory, more comes out the bottom of the funnel. If you can increase the amount of people that are entering your lead generation funnel and making those users more qualified that's another way to generate 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 more more leads more customers and in theory mm, uh, more mm. and of course that is the most important thing when you uh, have content that is on the beginning on the of the consumer's journey and you rank for that there needs to be something on that web page where you will get the email or the Facebook messenger agreement or whatever from the user. Don't just let that user bounce off the page because then you've done some branding, but we all know what branding means, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and, and it's something that we talk about and we, we, we refer to, to it a little bit like a leaky bucket. You know, you're pouring water in at the top, but you let, you've got holes that are, that are letting these these leads, these potential customers fall away. We have to strike that balance between not putting so many pop-ups on the website that it turns people off. But if you can provide the right piece of content to that particular person, give it them, give it to them in the form of a download or give them enough of an incentive to, to, to sign up to your marketing emails, to sign up to, um, you know, to give you that piece of information, you know, when they are in the right frame of mind um, to, to, to buy a bit further down the line, you are increasing your opportunity to be the mm -hmm. company that mm -hmm. they think. Um, I really liked your process of selecting the keywords. And when at the end of the day, you said you're more or less almost doing a content strategy where you produce uh, all of those keywords. How often do you think that such a keyword research should be done? Because what I see very often with clients is that the keyword research is done once and then not really touched uh, again. And I feel that's not really the best way how to do it, right? Yeah, sure. So, so, so I agree with that sentiment. Um, the honest answer is it depends. If you have the, I suppose, um, capacity to revisit it, if you know every every six months or so, every three months or so, that is a sensible thing to do. Um, the other thing is, is that if you've got finite time and resource, you should start with your most important keywords that are going to help your business grow. So, you might want to pick your most profitable product for example, start there, spend some time on that. And then in three months time, think about another topic or category. But should the process be revisited after a period of time? Yes. How often that should be will be determined 
based off how much keyword research you did at the start, how many keywords um, you actually have the ability yeah, to target. I'm not sure if you mentioned that that's on the podcast, but I've seen that you have that in the presentation. Of course, pick out the AdWords keywords that are already working for you and uh, analyze them uh, and add them to your uh, organic keyword list, right? Correct, exactly. So one of the things that we do um, as much as we possibly can, um, and this is only if some if a client has a Google Ads account, but you want to be looking at your Google Ads top converting keywords um, and then apply them to your keyword research um, to, to you know to your to your organic efforts because in theory. If you are converting keywords from a paid perspective, you've got to be doing something, you know, if you can drive more through organic methods um, for those keywords that, that, that are performing quite well, um, you know, that's going to increase your conversions from, from that perspective as well. So, so that's definitely something that, that, that should be integrated into that keyword research process is what's working well on, on, on paid. Mm. We are a bit long, but one more question. If a client has AdWords keywords running and they work well, and then they also start ranking on the I don't know, first three positions organic, should they stop advertising? Because this is a sentiment that clients always love to do, at least from what I've seen. Okay, we're ranking organically. We don't want any AdWords. Uh, is that the right thing to do? Uh, the honest answer, my honest answer is test it. Mm. The only way you'd ever know is you test it. So you track the amount you're getting based off the amount of traffic and impressions you're getting through through google search console and all that sort of stuff and turn it off for two months if you obviously notice a dramatic drop don't after week one don't carry on the test <laughs> um, but 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 test it because the honest answer is i mean it's quite a common question with branded terms so mm. um should I be bidding on my own branded keywords well the answer to that is normally no if nobody else is bidding on it but yes, if someone is bidding on, on, on your branded terms, it's, it's a similar sort of thing. I think that when it's non-branded phrases, you're more likely to get your um, click stolen, in inverted commas, um, by, by a competitor. I, I think the answer to that is test it. I would be very reserved based off my experience about turning off non-branded keywords from an AdWords perspective just because I'm ranking for it in position one or position two or position zero um, organically. Yeah. All right, Matthew, uh, thank you very much for being a guest at this podcast. We've heard a lot of interesting things. I will add your presentation to the show notes. That means if people visit timeformarketing.com and look at the number podcast number 11, they will be able to follow your presentation and find everything else that you didn't have the time to mention in the presentation. How bad is Black Friday for you? Did I disturb you in the worst week of the year or is it not that bad for you? <laughs> uh, so far, not too bad. I mean, one year, I think it was about two years ago, we actually broke a client's <laughs> website because of the traffic that was being generated through it, which was kind of a good and a bad thing. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of the stores at the moment are starting their Black Friday sales a little bit earlier to try and avoid the rush, um, you know, on on the site's infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. But um, maybe ask me that on Friday, mm. and I'll I'll tell you how. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thank you very much again for being a guest here. Um, I think that's the time when you can say goodbye. Perfect. Great. Well, uh, thank you very much, Peter. Um, if anyone's got any questions or anything, um, feel free to, to give me a shout on Twitter. My handle's Matthew underscore JK. Um, and uh, yeah, just thanks once again for having me on. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers, Peter. Bye-bye.